0: Father we just thank you this morning for the atmosphere of worship that's in this room and I I really really ask I know I just completely changed our focus by all that those announcements Lord but I just pray right now you'd help us to refocus on you and your word and that uh, this word would come through strong today and it would accomplish what you desire your word says uh, that your word will not come back void. Lord, that we have no promise that our words will not come back void, but you say your word will not come back void. So I pray that this word this morning would not come back void in this congregation. and we thank you for that and get this, because there are a lot of people out there today claiming to be prophetic and claiming to be prophets that are just prophesying nonsense. Uh, they're prophesying out of their own spirits, out of their own wants, out of their own things. And so want I want to let you know at the front, I don't think I'm a prophet. Uh, nor am I saying that I am prophetic or anything like that. But <clears throat> there is once in a while when I just feel uh, I feel an unction towards something. And last year, if you will remember, around August, I started feeling this word breakpoint. And uh, ended up, that became like an eight-week thing that we talked about here in the church. Which, strangely enough, um, in that breakpoint thing, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was, but I was. we were preaching that we needed to pray and really truly seek God in prayer because we were coming to a break point that there was going to be a changing of seasons and, and that some different things. Now, I, I'm not sure if any of those messages were online. I think that was before we were online. Um, if they are, I don't remember. But if they are online, you should go back to see what I'm telling you is the truth. And I was saying, we're coming. Remember, I went over and I slammed the door and I said, we're busting through a door into a new season and we need to pray and we need to seek God um, for to, to help and lead us through that season. I just didn't know that that was going to be what it was. I thought it was going to be something slightly different than that. But we certainly entered a new season in 2020. We, we certainly hit a break point from where we were in February of last year to March of last year. And so. That really was true. Again, I'm not claiming to be a prophet, but once in a while, I just feel like God kind of illuminates something. And weirdly to me, I don't get these great big pictures or anything like that. Sometimes I just get a word, just like a word, not a word, but just a word. And here a couple months ago or maybe a month ago, um, I really started feeling uh, this word founded. <clears throat> and I wasn't actually praying about the new year or anything, which is really weird, is is that I started seeing this, I started, like that word, I don't know if you, no I know if you don't understand this, it's like really weird, but, but God talks, right? It's like, oh, you're crazy because you hear voices and God speaks. Listen, we're, we're wrong if we're not hearing from God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, right? He said, my sheep hear my voice, and so it's not weird to hear from God, it's weird if we're not hearing from God. And so I wasn't praying about 2021 or anything. Mostly I'm just trying to figure out what we're going to do next Sunday uh, in relation to everything that's going on in the world. And, and uh, all of a sudden, this word founded started popping up everywhere I was looking. And, and I, would, I would hear someone talking about it on the radio. Or I wasn't looking for it. Just there. Just there. And, and so with me, sometimes when I'm hear, hearing that or seeing that over and over again, you just pray about it. I'm not going to run up and stay, Thus saith the Lord, founded. it. And then everybody goes, great, thanks for that. Um, so I was praying about it, and I'm like, all right, so God, what is there something to this? Or is this like the burrito that I ate that gave me gas, and now I'm having this or something? Um, and I, I really, through my prayer, um, I felt, um, I felt strongly that what God desires for us in this year, and it's not about years, Um, years are these things in our mind, but years don't make any difference, right? They don't. You know, on New Year's Eve, everybody's like, well, praise God, 2020's gone, and 2021 is here, and it's like, January 1st looked a whole lot like December 31st to me, I don't know. We're still sitting here with masks on and distancing, and, and the government is still in absolute turmoil, and everybody hates each other in the world, and it seems like it's the same as it was then, but in our mind, there's a thing that happens when we shift a year, right? And so... I really started feeling that God was saying, in 2021, I want you uh, to tell your church that they need to be founded. And weirdly, Josh is kind of getting the same word and and some others as well. And um, even some things David has said to me in the last couple months. And so I struggle with that a little bit uh, because what I want to talk to you about over the next five weeks is... Um, It's not anything new if you've been in the church. In fact, it's all very, very basic. Um, But I think that what the light, I feel like the word that I'm trying to be careful here because I'm not trying to make it something bigger than it is. But I feel like the illumination on this is that these are things we know but we don't like lock into them so passionately and so powerfully that nothing can shake us from that. And and. I know that's true because probably 50, I'm making up these statistics, but I'm probably pretty close, right? 50 to 75% of the church, Christian church in the United States is totally up in arms right now. You know, you got a segment that thinks the whole world isn't at an end and God's not going to do anything and we're all doomed. And then you have another segment that wants to take up arms and have an armed revolution and break into the Congress and that somehow or another that's a good thing for our country. And, and, and I was, oh, man, i got to be so careful. Our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not, in, Trump is not our Messiah. And listen to me, you, I've been preaching this for months and months and months. Because we, we've thrown so far behind Donald Trump that we think if something happens to Donald Trump, then the whole country. I have heard, I've heard multiple pastors say, Donald Trump is the only hope that we have for our country. And so we have to get him elected. Right? And, and when I hear that, it makes me cringe because, because God raises up leaders and God takes down leaders. Now, oh, I don't know if that's true, Pastor. Listen to me. The word says so. The word says that leaders are raised up and taken down by him. That good leaders are raised up by God and the bad leaders are raised up by God. And that sometimes when the bad leaders are raised up by God, it's because the people of God have fallen so far into sexual immorality and idolatry and compromise and and all of these things that that they're so far from God that he will bring these these, uh, disciplines and chastisings and judgments in order to get his people to wake up, which I thoroughly believe is what's happening right now. God is trying to get the church to jettison everything that we've attached ourselves to so that we can truly get back to a place, or for some people, to get to a place for the very first time when your only hope really actually is in Jesus. We we, we sing the song, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, and Donald Trump, and a Republican Congress, and my job, and my paycheck, and my church, and my family, and my wife, and my husband, and, 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 and. And God is stripping those things away so that we can get back to a place where we realize that he's all that we truly, truly have in this world to put our hope in. Now, now that's not new. Like I said, a lot of what I'm going to say is not new. But I do feel like the light is being shown on that because there are, the church in America, and even us in this church, let's be honest, even us in this church, we can get so far away from the things of God because we think we're doing things for God. Or we think that we're involved with things that are important to God. Or that, God forbid, we think that we have to be God. So if I don't do something, if I don't make this happen myself, then the whole world's going to fall apart. And guess what? God doesn't need our help. He does, however, want it. See, the thing about God is that God could show up and just go whoop and make everything righteous. In fact, if you read the end of the book, that's exactly what he's going to do. If you read the end of the book, he comes in to all of those. Psalm chapter. I love Psalm chapter 2. I was, I was having a little... Troubled moment the other night, and so I just I put on some worship and I opened my Bible to, to the beginning of Psalms and I just started reading, and you get to Psalm chapter two. It says, "Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Why do they they stand up against the anointed and say we're going to break his chains? But the Lord in heaven sits in derision and he laughs." Because there is going to be a day when he just comes and goes, whoop, and he wipes out all of those that think they're running everything right now. And he sets up a kingdom of righteousness. But we're not there yet. But we're not there yet. So we're living in the midst of this right now. And and when we live in the midst of that, we we can become very compromised even in the church. And God's saying, look, enough is enough. Believe me or don't. Show up and worship me or don't. Be in the Word or don't. Pray or don't. Show up for church. If you can't come, be on a live stream or don't. But those who focus in and those who become founded, even more founded than you already are, are going to be, because listen, we're in a dark time. We we are in a bad time. There's no, there's no way around this right now. We are in a bad time in this country. I was talking to my dad yesterday, and and he was helping me fix some problems we were having with the sound system. Thank you, dad. And and so we were talking, and he's like, "Man, this stuff going on now. I've never seen. I think my dad's 84 years old. He said there are things I'm seeing now that I've never seen in my whole life. And he's been around for a minute, right? The the thing there there are. I'm not going to belabor this, but I got to say it to get to the good part. Is that we, we have people right now, they're trying to un unperson people. If you ever if you ever read the book 1984, the stuff if you ever if you've never read 1984, you should go read the book. Like read the book. Don't be lazy, go read the book. I don't look to read. I don't care if you like to read because what he said way back then is what's happening right now. Uh, there there are people that you're just trying to unperson people. Whatever you think about Donald Trump, they're trying to erase his existence. There are people being fired from their jobs because they went to Washington the other day. Fired from their jobs. People that are losing their book deals. Well, they're getting what they deserve. Okay, well, that's good when they're getting what you think they deserve, but what about when that spins around and it starts coming at you? It's good when it's going on your side, but what about when it comes around and it's not on your side anymore? it's not good. The pandemic's not good. Our government's not good. Our culture's not good. Our society is not good. Our world is not good. It's dark. It's very dark. But listen, I'm not trying to bring you down because I'm going to tell you this. The Word of God says that even in the midst of those kinds of seasons, those who serve God and follow God and worship God will do great exploits for him in the midst of that darkness. Every time scripturally you see great darkness, I don't know if anybody's going to hear what I'm saying this morning. But this word, you go over and over and over in the times of the greatest darkness, God will show up and he'll find a few people that will just be ridiculous in their faith and he will use them to flip entire nations around. He'll take four lepers that are about to die and he'll use them to defeat an entire army and they didn't even do anything except walk down the road trying to find some food. He'll take a Daniel into captivity and cause him to be one of the most influential people in one of the most evil, oppressive regimes that has ever been on this earth. When Rome was over Israel and its darkness in Israel, and there had been no word for 400 years in Israel from Malachi to the beginning of the book of Matthew, Jesus shows up in the world and he brings a light. Those who serve God will do great exploits in the midst of the times that we are living in. So, church, we need to take heart and say it's not all bad. We're not broken. We're not defeated. We're not going to lose. It's not too much. The enemy is not overcoming us. He's winning some temporary battles right now, maybe. But listen to me. In the end, those who stand for God will do great exploits for the kingdom of God but those that are going to do those exploits have to be founded, locked into the things of God. This is radical faith time. This is the word of God is everything that I live by and hang on time. This is we need to pray and believe God to show up time. But those who will believe that will do great exploits. And so as over the next few weeks, if I talk a little bit about the darkness that's going on in the world, I don't want you to take that as going out and going, oh, geez, what are we going to do? This is our time to shine, church. This is our time to shine. But listen, the only ones that are going to be shining are the ones that are founded. Because I go from, the, from the, the serious to the good, back to the serious for a moment. Because one of the things I feel, and again, I'm not saying this is a thus saith the Lord. It's just what I see through observation. Is that there are many people sitting in churches watching on live streams today that will not be here next year because they're going to be knocked off course because of the things that are going on in the world. God forbid that would be any of us. I hope not but when I observe how the church has been and I observe how the church is in this nation as a whole, what I see is a very shallow, shallow faith built on celebrity pastors and built on catchy worship songs and built on the right kind of lights and the right kind of smoke. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not against any of that. I wish that we had some more lights and things like that here. I'm not against that, but I'm saying when you build your faith on that, Right? You have a problem. And so I think what we've done over the years is we've raised up pretty shallow believers. Saved? Probably. Going to heaven? Probably. But able to stand in the midst of real waves that are coming our way? I don't know. And so that's th- that's the light that I feel like has been shining on this founded word for me. And so I want to talk about, for the next few weeks, I want to talk about core, um, not core, I want to talk about hardcore, hardcore, everybody say hardcore, it's not a joke, hardcore discipleship because hardcore discipleship is what we need in the days that we're living in. Well, pastor, you're going to hit us with a bunch of legalism. I'm not hitting you with any legalism. I'm hitting you with what the Bible defines as discipleship. We can either do it or we don't. But I am looking this year, I'm looking for some warriors who are going to say God or bust. And so let's jump into this. You thought I already did. Sorry. I'm going to go quick. Since it's already this time, let me just hit it. The bottom line, founded disciples grow in the soil of spiritual maturity. Founded disciples, it is good. I got one amen. Hopefully there will be two by the end of this message here. Founded disciples grow in the soil of spiritual maturity. You will not grow as a disciple of Jesus unless you are growing in spiritual maturity. And there are certain things Scripture has given us. See, the awesome thing about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, is that they don't just tell us this is what you need to do and then leave you out there on a cliff figuring out how to do it. Jesus said, I need you to be disciples. disciple. Go into all the world to make disciples. He did not tell us to go into the world and get a bunch of people saved. Okay? Now, he told us to go into the world and make disciples. Now, obviously, if you're going to make a disciple, you've got to get people saved. But sometimes in the church, we're happy enough to get somebody to pray a prayer and get somebody showing up for church on Sunday, and then we say we did our job, and that's not discipleship. That's praying a prayer and going to a church service. Discipleship is something far deeper than that. Discipleship is something far more hardcore than that. You will not find American Christianity anywhere in the Bible. I know people don't want to hear that, and I don't care if you don't like it. Listen, American Christianity, you cannot find in the Bible because it's so milk toast. I think what David called it the other night, I think he called it greasy grace or something. We, we have greasy grace where the grace of God will cover me. I can go live any way I want, do anything I want, act any way I want, treat people any way I want. I can do whatever I want, and the grace of God will cover me. Therefore, I'm saved, and I'm on my way, on my way to heaven. And guess what? That is not true. That is not true. I thought we were saved by grace. You are saved by grace, but being saved by grace is accompanied by repentance and a change in your life. Your life becomes different than it was before. The gift of grace is free, but discipleship costs everything. The gift of grace is free. But discipleship will cost you everything. Well, that's not true, Pastor. You're already being legalistic. Well, I'm going to read you a verse in just a second. That says, if you're going to follow after me, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. Everybody say daily. daily. Is daily one time a week on Sunday? Is daily even one time a week on Sunday and also Wednesday because I'm super spiritual? Daily's daily. And he says, if you're going to follow me... Take up your cross and follow me. I love how Jesus in the scripture, people will say, I'm going to follow you, but I'd like to go do this first. Then I'll come follow me. And he said, just go do that. Don't worry about it. See, we don't have that in the American church right now. In the American church right now, what we have is pastors doing everything they can to entertain enough to get people to come to church. Let's, let's create a catchy sermon. Let's have the right kind of worship. Like I said, the light, right lights. and And listen, nothing is wrong with any of that stuff. It's when it becomes the tool to try to beg people to be disciples, we've crossed the line into something that is not biblical. If you're going to be a disciple, you ought to be ready to come to church and hear the word of God. You shouldn't have to have any pastor, any teacher, any preacher sitting there going, oh, please, 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 please come. In fact, I'm done with that this year. I'm done. Come to church or don't. Be involved or don't. Be part of the men's group or don't. Worship or don't. Because I'm done with it because that is not what discipleship is in the Scripture. Discipleship is a daily dying to yourself and taking up the things of God. And so if you're going to become a disciple, you have to become spiritually mature. You have to go from where you're at to where God wants you to be. Okay? And so let's get to point number one here. Okay. The design of discipleship. I've mentioned this. What is discipleship, scripturally speaking? What is it that we're even talking about? It's hard to hit a goal when you don't know what the goal is. So what is the design of discipleship? In, in, if you're in your notes, in God's design, spiritual growth is as normal and as expected as the growth of a child. If you have a, if you have a child, it's so beautiful and little and tiny, right? It's this little bundle of perfectness. Right? You just pick it up. I, I remember when, when my kids were kids, I just reached down and I'd just pick them up and I just hold them just like that. And Josh, come up here and see if I can do that now. It's gonna pick you up, and hold you right there just like that. Cause when he was born I could do that. But if a year down the road he's still that same size, something's not right. If two years down the road he's still the same size, something's very much not right. Now, now this is not this, this is not anything about okay. Any, when when now listen, this is what's going on in the church today. Is that we have a lot of we have a lot of baby Christians we've birth, birthed birthed but they still got the same attitudes, the same sins, the same uh, strongholds, the same attachment to their past that they had a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. For some people, 40 years ago. I'm still like, I'm still bunged up on what happened when I was 10 years old. It's like, you're 50 now. I got saved 20 years ago. Why you still got this attitude? I know it's quiet because this is not the happy messages we like. But listen to me. In God's design, spiritual growth is as normal and as expected as the growth of a child. If we are not growing spiritually, we are not doing it right. If we're not growing spiritually, we are not doing it right. If I can't look back over the last year of my life and say, oh, well, you know, I've grown in this area and I've grown in that, sometimes big, sometimes small, but we ought to be able to look back and say, something in my life God has changed in the last year, in the last six months. And if not, there's something wrong. We become spiritually stunted, right? If you're 20 years old and I still got to change your diaper, something's not a- as normal, right? Right? And so in the church, we have to understand that we are designed to grow into spiritual maturity. We're not supposed to just be the good old boys that sit back, and that's just the way I've always been, so it's the way I'm always going to be. No! That's not right! If you're in your notes here, relationship with God, relationship with God's spiritual growth and fulfilled purpose flow from a personal discovery of... Practice of certain God-inspired disciplines or habits. Now, you're like, what does that have to do with what you're talking about? Everything. Because if you're going to go on to spiritual maturity, there are things in your life that you need to do. There are disciplines. Now, over the course of these messages, I'm going to talk about disciplines and I'm going to talk about habits, okay? If I say disciplines or I say habits, I'm talking about the same thing. Because a discipline is a habit and a habit is a discipline. And if you're going to grow to spiritual maturity, there are certain disciplines or habits that have to be in place in your life. Now, you're going to be like, Pastor, you're being awfully hard on us. Listen, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to get us to a place where we're like rock solid. I don't want you to have to come to church every week and get your weekly fill of the word from me. I want you to get it for yourself. If you're coming to get it from me, I'm failing you as a pastor. Whatever I preach here, you ought to take it and do something else with it. You should take it and say, how is this going to help me grow in my faith? That's what my desire is. Because what do you do when the pastor's not available? What do you do when your prayer partner's not available? And you're getting knocked off, knocked off your rockers by everything that's going on in your life. Are you founded enough to stand on your own? Just you and God, and, and that's what I'm talking about here. You cannot do that unless you're founded in some certain disciplines and habits. Now, I want to say that there are a lot of disciplines and habits that are important to the Christian faith. There, there's dozens of them. But over the course of this, I'm just going to talk about Four. Because I believe that these four, and I'm going to tell you what they are at the end, but i can't, I got, I got to get there. These four things, if you do these four things in your life and you are disciplined and make these a habit in your life, all of the other disciplines are going to fall into place for you. Okay? And so, let's, where, do, where do we go with that? Where do we start? Well, Ephesians, I should probably read some scripture here because that's important. Because I want to define what discipleship is. What is discipleship? What is spiritual maturity? Ephesians 4, 13 to 15 says this. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. If that is not a picture of what's going on in our world right now, I don't know cuz there's so much stuff online right now and Christians are just eating it up just eating it up well it's true cuz I saw it on the Facebook listen spiritually mature believers are going to be able to see through those things and know what the truth is okay let's read on Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. The other thing we've got is somebody comes in and says, this is from God, and we just eat it up. Somebody comes in and says, well, I'm a prophet, and thus saith me, and thus saith God, and we just take it as, as gospel truth, even though it doesn't have anything to do with what the Bible says. It's a problem in the church. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, his church, he is the head of. I'm not sure Christ is the head of lots of churches in our country. And God forbid that, that functionally God would not be the head of the refuge church. Because functionally, it's really easy to say, yeah, we're here for God, but we're doing everything and not what he wants us to do. So he has a church, and he is the head of it, and what he says goes. I'm talking to you today about what he says. Okay? If If you're taking notes there, in the verse there on your page, just circle or underline that phrase, growing in every way. Growing in every way. Okay? If you are a follower of Christ, you have to be growing. You have to be becoming more and more spiritually mature. Now listen, do you get to a place? Listen, I'm an ordained bishop in the church of my God now. I'm a big shot. Right? Actually, whatever it means. I got a thing on I got a thing on my wall and you guys all gave it to me and you all prayed for me. So I have arrived. I don't need to be spiritually, I don't need to, I don't need to get any more spiritually mature because I got the thing on my wall that says that I am, I am, I'm a bishop. So I don't have to grow anymore. That's evil. See, in the church, we think, well, you know, it's just, it's not a, it's not a great attitude. It probably should be a little bit different. But no, it's evil. That is satanically inspired thought. Because the enemy will do whatever he can to keep you from growing in every way. Everybody say every way. What is every way? Every way is every way. I ought to be growing in my marriage. I ought to be growing as a parent. I ought to be growing as a grandparent. I ought to be growing as a pastor. I ought to be growing as a follower of Christ. I ought to be growing as a member of this church and, 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 and uh, loving and being in fellowship with each other. I ought to be growing in my thought life. I ought to be growing out of my sins and into holiness. In every way, growing more and more like Jesus. And so the design of discipleship is that we would grow and continue to become more spiritually mature. And so these four habits that I want to talk about are going to help us to do that. And the reason they help us to do that is in your notes, and I'm calling these the big four, for lack of a better term. The big four habits, the big four disciplines are important because they relate to our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our time, and our money. Now you're like. Time and money. What's that got to do with everything? Everything. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks, a few weeks. But listen, if I look at your bank account, I know what your priorities are. I know if you care about this church or not. I know if you care about the things of God or not. I know exactly what you value by whatever it is that your your bank account record shows. Now, thankfully, I'm not God, so I don't get to look at those. But he is looking at those. So money is extremely important in our walk with God. Our time, how we spend our time is exceedingly important when it comes to things of God. How we relate and treat others is extremely important. How our relationship with, is with God is extremely important. And so that's what the four big four habits talk about. So when we talk about discipleship, you say, okay, pastor, what is my goal? What, how, how, do I, how will I know I'm becoming like a disciple? Verse 13 says, then we will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. The church is so absolutely, completely, and totally fractured in this country right now. Completely fractured. And the reason that we are fractured is because we are not following God. We are following our form of God. We are following what we think we want the Bible to mean. We're following what's comfortable for us. But we have to pick up our cross and follow Jesus until we come to a unity in our faith. When we get where we're supposed to get, my thoughts will be just like Joe's thoughts. And Joe's thoughts will be like Ed's thoughts. And Ed's thoughts will be like Andy and Javon's thoughts. Not in personality or in character, but in purpose and what it is that God desires and what God wants and what He's calling us to. We will all be in unity toward that same goal. Now, we've all been called to go after that goal in different ways, but there will be a unity in the faith. Amen? So, discipleship, design, what what do I need to look like? I need to be in unity in a true faith with my brothers and sisters. I need to have the knowledge of God's Son in my life so that I will be mature in the Lord. Now, here's the key, the key. You can you can underline this too if you want to. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So to be a spiritually founded disciple of God means that you become like Christ. If you don't look more like Jesus than you did last year, you're doing it wrong. If I don't look more like Jesus than I did last year, I'm doing it wrong. And I have to come back and get founded in the important things so that I can move forward growing to look like Jesus. How do, what what does G, what does Jesus look like? Now, I was going to put this verse in today, but since I spent like 15 weeks on it a few months ago you could just go online and watch it in Galatians chapter 5 it talks about the fruit of the spirit if you're going to look like Jesus your life will be defined by love, joy peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self control the more I grow in love the more I look like Jesus the more I walk in joy Notice I didn't say have joy. Nobody's going to hear that. I didn't say feel joy. I said walk in joy. The more I walk in peace, there's nothing to be peaceful about outside those doors, really. But I can walk in peace because Jesus always walks in peace. Is Jesus ever not at peace? Nope. He is peace. And so if I am like Jesus, I will walk in peace, love, joy, peace, patience, patience, growing in every way, patience, patience with my wife, patience with my kids, patience with you, you patience with me, growing. If I'm going to look like Jesus, I'm going to have those fruit of the spirit manifesting in my life. You can go to the YouTube page and watch 100 weeks of that study, life and divine. So I need to look like Jesus. And I cannot look like Jesus. I'm hoping my repetition here will get us somewhere today. I will not look like Jesus unless there are certain God-inspired disciplines and habits going on in my life. Strangely enough, the same disciplines and habits that Jesus walked in when he was on this earth. Pastor, you're being legalistic. No, I'm just telling you that we need to do what Jesus did. Exactly, right? And so let me share a couple things about this discipleship that we may not always hear because we are, we are in microwave Christianity. Hit me with a blessing, Pastor, then I'll go home and everything will be perfect. No, it will not. Hit me with a blessing. Hit me with a good sermon, Pastor, and if your sermon can't keep me awake, then it's your fault I'm not a good disciple. No, it's not. I bet I preach a whole bunch of bad sermons moving forward. I hope not, but not every one of them is going to be hit out of the ballpark, right? And listen, if you don't get anything out of that, that's your problem, not mine. Because every time I bring a word, even if it's not good in the way I deliver it, it's going to have the word of God in it. So some things about discipleship that we need to know at the outset. Discipleship is not automatic. If you're in your notes, discipleship is not automatic. Hebrews 5.12, this is the Living Bible, it says... You have been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you have dropped back to the place where you need someone to teach you all over again, the very first principles in God's Word. You are like babies who can drink only milk, not old enough for solid food. And when a person is still living on milk, it shows he isn't very far along in the Christian life. And he doesn't know much about the difference between right and wrong. He is still a baby Christian. Do you know there's a huge difference between old and mature? I know some young people that I've ran across in my life that are some of the most mature people I've ever met. And I know some old folks that are so immature and so so immature. You probably do too. Now listen, I'm going to use an analogy here, and it doesn't mean anything. It's just a thing that I notice because it doesn't matter. Everybody say it doesn't matter. If you like it, do it, right? But one of the things I always think is funny is when you got like a, a, a 60-year-old dude riding down the street on a BMX bike. And it's like, man, that dude, I think he's trying to hold on to like 18. Or or you see, I, I remember when we lived on Sanford Street, Josh was little and he got a skateboard. I'm probably like, I don't know, 35. 40 or something I don't know at that point and uh, so I got this skateboard and I thought I could do that and our driveway was like the, it was uh, the concrete but it was kind of like rough it wasn't super smooth and and I'm like I, I could totally do that and it was kind of inclined but just a little inclined I could totally I'm just going to get on it and the incline will just carry me down and I'll be awesome and I, I stepped on that skateboard and it didn't move and I went And when I went, that thing flew up in the air, and I flew down and landed straight on my elbow and my back. And then, you know, being being Superman dad, you look like an idiot. I determined at that moment that I was too mature to ride a skateboard. (laughs) There are times when you just move on. One time uh, when my friend Thad was here youth pastoring, every year he had a thing called the, the turkey bowl which we'd go down to Millicoma, and it was always sopping muddy, like a foot deep in mud, and we would have tackle football game, and, and I hadn't played football like that in, in years, and so the first year, is like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Thad, uh, I don't know if you'll see this or not, but Thad is, if you know Thad, he's a, he's a stocky dude, and he was a fullback, like, like uh, what do you call it, all-conference or whatever, fullback when he was in high school, and so we're playing Turkey Bowl football, and and he gets the ball, and he's running, and I'm like, I'm just going to tackle him because I was fairly good when I was back in the day. I can do this, right? I forgot that I was like 25 years older or whatever, and he wasn't. And he comes running through there, and he hit me so hard that my head rang for like a week. And and I, I fell down on the ground, and then I got jumped jump back up because our youth group is there, and you can't look like an idiot, right? So I jump back, and I'm, like, I'm good, I'm good. But my head is like, yo, 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 yo. And I got home, and I was so sore, I went and I sat in the bathtub, because I'm just like, oh, i got to soak this off. And I could barely even get out of the bathtub. I'm not exactly, I could barely get out of the bathtub, and I determined that I had to leave those childish things behind, because I was getting too old for that. When you get older, but you don't learn not to do stupid things, you're not mature, you're just getting older. I will never play tackle football ever again. Maybe some flag, maybe some light touched me on my pocket, but I ain't never playing tackle again because I've matured. See, you can get older and not mature, or you can get older and become more mature, but those two things are not the same thing. We think because somebody's been sitting in a church chair for 25 years that they must be mature in their faith. And Paul here writing to the Hebrews says, there's some of you that have been at this for a while now, and you're still acting like little babies faith-wise, and you have to grow up. So it's not automatic. Just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're growing as a disciple. Just because you sing a song, you go to a Bible study, you, 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 you give in the offering doesn't mean that you're becoming a more mature disciple. You become a more mature disciple by following habits and disciplines. Amen? It's not automatic. Number two, discipline is a lifelong process. That's what I was saying earlier. You have to be committed. You have to be committed to a lifelong, passionate following after the things of God. And you have to thirst for those things and hunger for those things more than anything else. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. It's lifelong. I, I remember um, this was quite a while ago. Now, I don't know if any of you guys know Pastor Walker, who used to be at North Bend Church, uh, Family Life Center now. Uh, pastor Walker was my pastor when I was in high school. In fact, I drove his car for my driving test because our car wouldn't pass the inspection. So he let me borrow his car. And uh, so he's a great man in my life. And, and uh, I remember one time he had been retired, like fully retired from pastoring for years. And he and his wife were managing a storage unit out on Ocean Boulevard. And our our church or somebody was moving some stuff into a storage, and I knew they were, now listen, he didn't know I was going to stop by. So we were there, and I'm like, I'm just going to stop in and say hi to my old pastor. So I knock on the door, and he opens up, oh, come in, come in, come in. And I walk in, and his kitchen table, now listen, this is probably 35 years ago, 30 years ago. No, not 35. Maybe 30. And I still remember this because it hit me so hard, is that I walked into his house and I sat down at his kitchen table and he had his big old fat, uh, big old fat Bible was open. He had a notepad there that was all scribbled full of notes. He had multiple commentaries and he had another Bible sitting there. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, this dude's been in the word. Why is he in the word like that? He's not pastoring anymore. I remember he was one when he, he used to preach, and he would just say the verses. He wouldn't have to read them. He'd just say them all. I'm like, this guy knows the word inside, outward, up, down, backwards, forwards. Why is he got all of this laid out on his table? And it stuck on me. Listen, discipleship is a lifelong process. You're never going to become so mature that you don't need to be chasing after the things of God anymore. Number three, discipleship takes time. First Timothy 4:7 at the end of the verse says, "Spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Spend your time and energy. If, if you are note-takers, circle time and energy. What is, what is time? Is time right? What is energy? Energy is energy. Spend your time and your energy in uh, going after those things that keep you spiritually fit. Now, you guys all know my journey here um, of weight loss because I've been I've been fat my whole life. I just say that because it keeps me accountable. I'm talking about anybody else. Talking about me. People are like, oh, you got slow metabolism and all that kind of stuff. No, no, I, I'm fat because I eat too much and I'm lazy. You can tell me to my face. It don't bother me, it keeps me accountable. And you know my journey. I do really good and then I like, gain it all back and then I do really good and then I gain it all back. One thing I have learned is it never just falls off. I don't have to try to gain weight. It, it, those of you that like plants and gardening, have you ever had to try to grow a weed? You know, in the last in the last 3 months, I now I know somebody's going to come up and say you got to do this. I know. I know. I've gone out there because I'm an idiot and I've cleaned out the grass and the weeds between the concrete probably 6 times and I know Ann has been out there and I know Patrick and Jennifer have been out there doing it. But every time I come back here, they're just growing up again. I don't even need to try to. If I try to grow, if I try to grow a, plant, a plant, that plant will be dead by the time I get back to this church next week. But those weeds just grow. I, I cannot ever get in shape by just sitting around eating the food that I want to eat. i got to eat a bunch of stuff I don't want to eat, and i got to go run around like an idiot and be tired and dead. People are like, oh, it looks like you really enjoy running. I hate running. The only thing I like about running is when I'm done. At the end, when I come back around my block, the, the end of my block, I this cross street, it goes to David's house, there's a cross street, and I always end my run when I hit that so I can walk a little bit and catch my breath. And there is nothing that I look forward to more than hitting that corner so that I can stop this stupid running. But listen, I know if I don't do that, I know what will happen to me. I have to spend my time and my energy doing it if it's going to happen. If you're going to come to spiritual maturity, you have to spend your time and your energy pursuing spiritual maturity. Right? I have to be disciplined in what I eat. I have to be disciplined in what I do or I will not be where I'm at, which is worse than where I was just a few months ago. It's like, got to get back to it. Spend your time and energy doing what it takes to be spiritually fit. So what is it that you're spending your time and energy on? Because we will always say, listen, I don't have time. I, I just so, I just, I, I, I'm just so out of time all the time. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church. I don't, I don't have time to do all these things. And it's like, well, how much time did you spend on Facebook? Your pastor knows. I can see it. I posted a thing at like 2 o'clock in the morning the other night, and Joe went, boop, like, oh, I know what Joe's doing right now. <laughs> listen, it doesn't matter what I know. The thing is, a lot of times we're like, I don't have time, or, or I'm, I'm too tired, or I'm too whatever, and it's like, okay, listen, it's going to be hard. I debated whether to say this, but I've already got myself in trouble, so If you don't make time for it, it's not important to you. If you don't make time for the disciplines of the faith, then your faith is not important to you. Now, pastor, pastor, you can't say that. Pastor, you don't understand. No, listen. You will always make time, and you will always spend your energy on things that are important to you. So it just may very well be that Facebook is more important to you than being in the Word of God. So we might as well just say it. Be, watching Netflix is more important to me than, than spending some time in prayer. Pin drop. This is the thing. I get old. When I, when I was young, I'd look at these pastors and they were old and cranky and it's like, why are they so old and cranky? Now I know why. I've heard it. Whatever your excuses are, I've heard it. Whatever my excuses are, God's heard it. But I also know if I were to keep a record of how I spend my time and my energy, it probably would not line up with me saying I don't have time for spiritual discipline. I'll leave that one be. uh, Oh, I like this. I, I don't know who originally said this, but... When God wants to create an oak tree, he'll spend sixty years. When he wants to create a mushroom, he can do it in six hours. So do you want to be an oak tree or do you want to be a fungus? I, I, I wanna I, I didn't I hope I don't get myself in trouble with this, but I wanna I wanna brag on this one. I'm not saying the name. I just want to brag on that one because probably i don't know how when did when did you start 10 years ago Some like okay so like 10 years ago 10 years ago um, there's a reason i'm not saying her name so 10 years ago that one came to me and said i have this goal and i was like okay that's that's a great that's great that's awesome can you can you help me with some tests cuz I need someone to sit watch over these tests when I take them. I'm like sure. And so did it and didn't get a good response. And I don't remember how many times but 3 years. Can you do this? Can you do this test with me? Yeah, come on, here, we'll do the test. Send it out. Nope. Come in. Send it out. Nope. Come in. Send it out. Nope. I don't remember how many times it was. But then one time, I get a message. I got accepted. That's amazing. So since that till now, um, have your master's degree or on the edge of it? Master's degree. In the thing that we were talking about 10 years ago where most people would have been like, oh, well, you know, I tried and it didn't work out, so I'll just go do something else. Perseverance, pressing through, working, sacrificing, studying, working, sacrificing, studying, working, sacrificing, studying, discipline, doing what needs to be done to get the job done, and you go from being, being uh, uh, denied multiple times to having a master's degree in the thing that you wanted to do. What what I promise you didn't happen is it just kicked back on the couch with some bonbons and a master's degree knocked on the door. Time, energy. The question is what's important to you. If growing in spiritual maturity is important to you, you'll spend your time and your energy doing it. Which leads me to this last point which we're going to blow through because I'm basically just going to tell you what it is. The discipline of discipleship. Who would have thunk it? But discipline and discipleship, those two words are related. Who would have known? Did you know that being a disciple means that you're disciplined? It's what it means. You cannot say I'm a disciple of Christ if you're not disciplined. If you don't have these habits. Right? So Jesus said... Uh, You cannot be a disciple without being disciplined. Jesus said, as I mentioned earlier, then he said to the crowd, if anyone of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Notice those three conditions, and then I won't talk about it if you'll notice them. He says, I want you to give up your own way, take up your cross daily. Everybody say daily. Daily. Take up your cross daily. Everybody say daily. daily. And follow me. How often should we follow him? Daily. Right? So in in, uh, these disciplines and these habits, I'm going to give you this, we're done. In the dictionary, Webster's, it says "A, a habit. habit is a continual, often unconscious inclination to do a certain activity acquired through frequent repetition. A continual, often unconscious inclination to do a certain activity acquired through frequent repetition. So what is a habit? What is a discipline? It's something that you acquire through frequent repetition until the point when it becomes natural to you. You, you, you don't even think about doing it anymore. You're just doing it. You, right? If you have a habit, because we all have habits. Some of those habits are good and some of them are not bad. I have a habit, as I mentioned, of eating food that's not bad for me. I don't think about eating that food. I just go grab it and I just eat it. I, I, me, Tom, I have a habit of being lazy and not exercising when I, so I'll just sit there and I just fall back into my habit. Okay? A habit is something that you just, becomes natural to you, and that's what I'm shooting for in 2021. I'm about to pray, and I know I've taken some time, but hold on today. Okay? In in your notes there, it says this, and I I stole this. I don't know where it came from. I've just heard it a million times. So a thought. Reap an act, sow an act, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, and reap a destiny. Your destiny and your character are connected to the habits that you have in your life. Have you ever thought about that? I'm not gonna spend time because I know it's late. But your your destiny is attached to the habits that you currently have in your life. That may be good or it may not be good. I'm not sure. Or for some, it might just be kind of indifferent. Now, it can't be indifferent because it's taking you somewhere. Your habits are taking you somewhere in your life, your disciplines are taking you somewhere. See, we're disciplined no matter what, we're disciplined to laziness we're disciplined to Netflix. We just don't think it in those terms. But if you think of a discipline as a habit and realize that my go-to thing is to flop on a chair and watch Netflix for six hours, which again, there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix. You get what I'm saying? But if that's my default habit, then my life is going to follow behind what comes with sitting there and watching Netflix for six hours all the time. Okay? And so, We are disciplined in all sorts of things. They can be good or they can be bad. But my destiny and my character are attached to my habits. My destiny. I don't know if I think I said discipline. My destiny and my character are attached to my habits. And so here's this. I'm going to say this and we're going to pray. These four habits, these four disciplines. Now some of you are going to be like, I already do that. And I know that because I already do this, too. we got to lock in in 2021, even more locked in than we've ever been. This is why we're going to be doing the men's Bible study, the, the, the boom, discipline one. This is why we're going to be trying to get the women's one going. This is why we're starting a prayer meeting. This is why we're revamping the prayer chain for this year. This is why we're doing these things, okay? Because if we will do these things, it will found us in such a way that we cannot be shaken, Straight up, last thing, I'm just going to say it again as I'm closing here. Some of you in this room may not make it through this year if you don't get locked in. That's not to make you go, oh, pastor's being dramatic. It's also not to make you feel bad. I'm trying to cause us as a church to wake up and realize where we are at and say this is what we need to do to live where we are at right now. And so what are those four disciplines then? those four disciplines, if we do these things, we will be founded, we will be locked in, and we will stand and do great exploits for God. Daily time in God's word, daily time in prayer. Notice that it says daily. This is why I'm massively more than ever this year am I encouraging you to grab a reading plan and get into it. Well, Pastor, I've already messed up and I'm already far behind. I don't care if you're far behind. Get caught up. We're only a week into this thing. You can't be so far behind yet that you can't get caught up because the whole thing only takes 15 minutes a day at, at a maximum. If, even if you're not a great reader, it takes 20 minutes. Spend your time and energy keeping spiritually fit. There's some back there. We'll make more. Have a daily reading plan. Well, Pastor, I just, I just jump in the Bible and I just study some things sometimes. Good. You need to do that too, but you need to be in it daily. Daily time in prayer. Every day are you praying. Every day are you praying. Not legalism. Understanding that prayer is my connection to God that keeps me standing. He, he is the one that kicks open doors when I can't get through the doors. He is the one that works it out when I can't work it out. He's the one that shifts things when I can't shift them. He's the one that moves mountains when I can't move them. My devotion this morning was asking it will be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open to you. That's prayer. Amen. Giving of tithes and offerings. Now you're like, oh, Pastor, you're just trying to get us to give more and offering. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you why in a couple weeks here. Why that one is so important. And then fellowship with God's family. Church, we cannot survive without each other right now. We need each other. This coming from the one you know is the absolute most introverted person on this planet who could be totally fine and function if I was sitting by my house all by myself all the time. I could do it, but I know that that's not good, nor is that healthy for my spiritual walk. I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. If, if we don't have that connection, then there's a missing piece of our spiritual discipline. So here's where I'm going to finish today. At the end of your notes, if you're taking notes, and if you don't have notes, that's fine, but I want I want you to do an exercise this morning. I don't want you to do it because of me, because I'm not ever going to see it. It doesn't matter to me, and this is where, see, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to ask you to see it, so I don't want you to do it because you think, Pastor, this is like Pastor roping me into something. This is, this is for you and God. If you you have notes, and if you don't, I would encourage you to grab one and just do this and stick it in your Bible. At the end of the notes, it says this, I will commit to the habits necessary for spiritual maturity. Where I want to finish today is throwing out an open challenge to every one of you. If you're watching online, it's an open challenge to all, all of us. That this year you will commit like you never have before, to becoming more spiritually mature. And then once you fill that in on your notes, I want you to sign your name next to it. Why Why are you having to sign your name? What does that mean? Nobody's going to see it. That's you putting your John Hancock between you and God and saying, I'm committing to this. Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't commit to it, you won't do it. And if I don't commit to it, I won't do it. So this is sort of a symbolic step of faith to say, God, I'm putting my name on this thing, that this year I'm going to daily spend time in the Word, daily spend time in prayer. I'm going to be faithful in my giving, and I'm going to be faithful in being in fellowship with my brothers and sisters. And if we lock into that, we will stand and do great things when many around us are falling. I know this is slightly out of context for what it's talking about, but in Psalm 91, it says, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but none will come nigh unto me. The attacks of the enemy. I, I will stand, and I will do great exploits. So that's why I want you just to put your signature on that. Say, between me and God, boom, boom. When, when, when we're, we're getting ready to sign a contract for the refinance here in the next few weeks of the church. I hope we'll be talking to you about it. We're still waiting on some information. They're not just going to say, all right, here's the money. We're going to have to put our name on the line to say that we're committed to this, right? If we would do it for that, why would we not do it for our faith? It's strictly symbolic, but I want to challenge you daily in the word, daily in prayer, faithful in your giving, faithful in fellowship. If you do that, everything else is going to work itself out, right? Right? Let's pray. I know I took a long time today. Thank you for being patient. Father, I thank you for this group of people that's here that that I see as raising up as an army of mighty warriors for your kingdom. Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, none of that makes a difference because spiritual maturity is not connected to our chronological age. But Lord, that you're raising up spiritually mature believers that reap destinies of, of great purpose Great exploits for your kingdom, and uh, that at the end of this year, which is a completely symbolic number, Lord. But at the end of this year, we'll look back and say, "Look what God did! Look what God did in me! Look what God did in us! What He did in our church! What He did in our community!" Simply because we locked in and we got founded, and I, I thank you for that in advance. I pray your blessing on everyone that's here this morning, Lord. That. Uh, that you would bless them and keep them, cause your face to shine on them, that you'd be gracious to them, show them favor, and give them peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love-